Welcome to Nets Talk Now, Driving Change, a podcast brought to you by the Network of Employers for Traffic Safety. Each month, we bring you engaging conversations with global road safety leaders and innovators, so you too can work to advance road safety for everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Nets Talk Now, Driving Change with the Network of Employers for Traffic Safety. I'm Susan Hip, the Executive Director, and today we're going to focus on the drive, talking distracted driving with the Traffic Injury Research Foundation. And I'm really excited to have our guest here today uh, because we're going to talk about a topic this month that is relevant and front and center. And it's something we should be talking about all the time, not just today, but we're going to talk about distracted driving. And Robin Robertson is our guest today. She's the CEO and president of the Traffic Injury Research Foundation. And the vision of TURF is to ensure people using roads make it home safely every day by eliminating road deaths, serious injuries, and their social costs. TURF's mission is to be the knowledge source for safe road users and a world leader in research, program, and policy development, evaluation, and knowledge transfer. Uh, So Robin first joined TURF as a research assistant in 1999 and was appointed president and CEO back in 2006. Her interests include the development and evaluation of policies and programs, and she's also organized and conducted national surveys, focus groups, and in-depth interviews with criminal justice, treatment, and transportation professionals. She's the author of TURF's Knowledge Translation Model and is well-versed in implementation strategies and operational practices across several sectors. So Robin, welcome. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having us, Susan. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to a good conversation and a really important topic. Absolutely. And as I mentioned, so the topic today, it is very important. As you said, it's distracted driving. And even though there are a number of topics I know that TURF focuses on and provides resources for, this one specifically I wanted to talk about today because in the U.S., you're in Canada, but in the, in the U.S., it is currently Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And so this issue, we, we focus on, of course, more this month, but it's really something we need to be talking about all the time. You know, we know that we should not be driving distracted. We know we should put that phone down and that we shouldn't be programming GPS directions while we're driving or eating our lunch while we're driving or doing our makeup. We all see that, right? People doing their makeup, fixing their hair. Uh, there's just a number of distractions that can happen while we're driving. But the numbers keep going up. Distracted driving crashes keep going up. So from your perspective, with your research and your background, what's what's going on? How big is this problem of distracted driving? And why is it getting worse instead of better? Okay, so uh, so two really important questions. Um, first, I think uh, we're talking about it more and we're seeing it more and more focused on it um, because the research in the last two decades has really come to fruition, right? We know a lot more about distraction today as compared to even a decade ago. So the risks are well understood. So I think two things are going on as we're seeing the numbers go up. One, jurisdictions are doing a better job identifying distraction as a factor in contributing crashes. So we're doing a better job measuring. But the second thing, there is a real increase. And part of that has to do with the pervasiveness of technology. And part of that has to do with 
the increasing amount of technology and safety systems in our vehicle, which intuitively make us feel safer. And as a result, we see drivers willing to take more risks simply because they feel safer because of the technologies in their car. So in Canada, we know one in four fatal crashes involves distraction as a contributing factor. And while the prevalence numbers are lower in the U.S., they also recognize the challenges measuring the problem. So the most recent report estimating the actual uh, role of distraction in fatal crashes is almost one in three fatal crashes. So wow. a significant part of the problem, right? Almost uh, as big as impaired driving and speeding, which have been longstanding and well-researched factors in fatal crashes. Yeah. And I think about that. I just got a new vehicle. And, you know, when I got in, there's all these new, like you mentioned, the technology, the new screen. What does this do? What does this do? Well, when you're driving is not the time to figure that out. You know, you need to sit there and figure out what's in this vehicle and what does it do and not be messing with all of those. But that it's there. It's front and center. It's right in front of us. So it's just very tempting to use all of that technology. And as you said, it, it makes us feel safer. But unfortunately, that that's very true. It's just a big part of the distraction. So, you know, we, you've mentioned here about the challenge of measuring these types of crashes and it's underreported. We don't know really truly how many of these crashes that are happening are due to distraction because think about how many people don't want to admit, oh yeah, I was on my cell phone. That's what caused the crash. Yeah, uh, people aren't going to admit that. So, you know, why is there a way that we can alleviate that to figure out, you know, to get better numbers? Why is it so challenging to find out how many of these crashes are due to distracted driving? Why is that so important to know that? So we don't have a good way to measure distraction. So there's very observable distractions like using a handheld phone, but then there's other types of distractions like your child in the backseat. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? These kids driving on a trip. <laughs> yep. When it comes to speeding and impairment, you're either speeding or you're not. And we have technology to measure that. If you're impaired, you're impaired or you're not. And we have ways to measure that. But distraction the breadth of distractions and the complexity of of some of those tasks and whether or not we can observe them makes it very difficult to measure. The good news is there are newer technologies, camera-focused technologies and driver monitoring systems that can do a better job at identifying when people are distracted using different features and, and different characteristics. So now the challenge is to see more of those technologies implemented so we can get a better handle on really how big the problem is in the real world every day uh, with people on the roads as they drive. That's an interesting point because coming at this from an employer perspective, you know, working with employer uh, fleets, they, they can put those measures and tracking into vehicles, but the general population, the general public, um, you know, there's always kind of this big brother is watching me and I don't want to be recorded and tracked and, and you know, have that out there. So do you see that coming down the road where we're going to be able to use that technology and just out in general in the public? to be able to track some of these and get a better idea of what's going on? Right. So I think the answer is yes. I mean, some of the camera mounted technologies uh, that you can um, mount at intersections, you can mount at poles along the highway, um, at different points on overpasses, 
are designed to identify distractions, but they're also designed to protect privacy. So very little information is collected um, and it's not uh, shared and not uh, stored. So that whole privacy issue is definitely built into the newer technologies that are currently being pilot tested in the US and, and in Australia and some other countries. I think with respect to employers, they have an important role to play. And I think in the heavy vehicle industry, in the trucking industry, we've seen a lot of leadership, but there have been those challenges, for example, with drivers, there's outward facing and inward facing mm-hmm. cameras that can be mounted as part of a driver monitoring system. So there's a lot of support uh, among drivers for the outward facing systems. And that's the camera faces the road out ahead and sees what's happening on the road ahead of you. And that's been very useful for employers to really demonstrate that their driver was not at fault in a crash uh, situation, but the inward facing cameras that are designed to monitor the driver are, are definitely more contentious and work has to be done to explain the privacy issues and how, how privacy is protected, but also to explain the value and the effectiveness of those technologies as they're rolled out um, will be really important to attain acceptance. Absolutely. And it's about keeping people safe, really, is what it is. And that's what we talk about a lot here at NETS, that, you know, leadership showing that it's, it's about keeping drivers safe. And that's what the goal is here. It's not about watching over your shoulder or any of that information. But um, let's go back a second. You were talking about, you shared that example of, you know, a child in the backseat in the car and, you know, maybe a child throws something up into the front seat or starts screaming or, um, I don't know, gets sick, whatever, uh, while you're driving. Talk about um, some of the types of distractions when you're driving. I think there are four types of distractions. What's the best way to combat these and make sure that we truly are focusing on the road? Well, as a driver uh, on the road, I think we all need to be cognizant of the fact that our job is to drive. Uh, We are responsible not only for our own safety, but of passengers in the vehicles and other people on the road. Uh, particularly uh, pedestrians and cyclists who don't have that protective heart exterior of the car. So really anything that doesn't relate to the driving task is unimportant, right? Uh, That needs to be secondary. So there are things that you can do to avoid those distractions uh, on the road. But I think what's not well recognized, certainly among drivers, is that driving in and of itself is a divided attention task. Right. You're doing the visual Uh, the manual and the cognitive. You're looking at what's happening on the road, you're adjusting uh, the vehicle accordingly, but you're also making decisions about what to do with that information. So as a starting point, drivers are already distracted because they're focused on those three different tasks. So when you throw in a secondary task that has nothing to do with driving, it spreads your attention, the amount of information you can process at any given time really thin. And we've seen that in studies where the field of view shrinks. There's the, so you're looking almost tunnel vision ahead of you on the road and you don't see what's happening around you. And then there's the phenomenon of looking, but not seeing, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things police officers will tell you is at a crash scene, the driver uh, at fault in the collision said, like, I don't know where they came from. Like I didn't see the car, it wasn't there. And we hear these stories of people driving into the side of a train or the side of a truck and you wonder how could that happen? And the answer is distraction. It's We think we see it, but we don't. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. The example I like to use, I, this will always stick with me. I was part of a presentation a few years ago with a uh, distracted driving researcher. He was presenting on this topic and, and he called me up kind of as a guinea pig and, and said, okay, Susan, come up and I want you to say the, the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, all the way through J. And then he said, okay, now, and I'm going to time you. And then, then, you know, it was really fast, like four seconds or something. And then he said, I want you to count one to 12. Okay. You know, timed me. It was fast. He said, okay, now I want you to alternate A1, B2, C3. And my brain just stopped. (laughs) I said, and he made me keep going until I got to the end. And the time was ridiculous. Um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it quickly. And because my brain was concentrating on two different things. And and his point was just what you said. When you're driving, it's, you know, your brain cannot concentrate on multiple tasks, even though we like to think of ourselves as multitaskers. We're we're truly not. And driving should be that sole focus that we have there. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, so humans are serial processors of information, right? That's what we say as researchers. And that really means you can only focus on one task at a time. And we've done a number of exercises where you know you're you're tossing bean bags at someone and they have to sort the red ones and the yellow ones on either side of them as they catch them and then you ask them questions you know how do you spell chocolate what's you know 7 times 12 how many rooms are in your house and you can literally watch them stop catching and sorting while they answer and stop answering while they're catching and sorting so if you think about on any given day how many times we try and have a conversation and watch TV or read an email and have a conversation um, or make coffee and, uh, you know, answer a text. And it's impossible to do either of them well. So that's really your brain saying, saying, I can't do it. You're switching your attention rapidly back and forth across tasks. And as you're doing that, you lose a little bit of your focus. So we talk about being multitaskers with pride. And the reality is it just means that we're doing two things, but not optimally. And ultimately our ability to do either of those tasks well is compromised. And that leads me to my next point I wanted to mention is about the hands-free devices. So many people feel that hands-free is so much safer than holding the phone in your hand. But again, your your brain is still concentrating on two things, even if you're hands-free. So have you done research into this area in the hands-free devices? And what is your recommendation in terms of whether those devices should be used or not used? So the hands-free issue is is an interesting one because the answer is it depends. So there is an assumption that hands-free is risk-free. And the reason for that is often uh, intuitively, you're not manually manipulating the phone, um, but also because handheld has been banned in legislation in a number of jurisdictions and hands-free has not. So that unfortunately sends the wrong message that hands-free is safe. And the truth is hands-free can be safer for certain tasks in certain environments, but hands-free is not risk-free. And I think that's one of the most important messages uh, for drivers to understand. There is always risk because you're taking your attention away from the driving task. Also, there's the issue of people underestimate how long some of those tasks take. And there has been research studies showing that that two seconds people you know, say I looked away just for a second, or I did this just for a second. And that one or two seconds, actually, in reality, is five to 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And we know anything over two seconds increases your risk. 
so the the hands-free one is is an important one and i think for all drivers it, simply avoiding distractions whether they're handheld or hands-free uh, or anything else i think we just really need to understand the responsibility of driving and keep our attention on that task and everything else can wait because we all want to get home at the end of the day and our choices to engage in those distractions could easily mean someone's not getting home at the end of the day. And that's such an important statement that needs to be a new tagline, which I have not seen a lot. Hands-free is not risk-free. I think that's a really important take home from that, um, to your point there, that you know there's still some risk. It is safer, but there's definitely still some risk. So um, I want to talk a little bit too about behavior. We, we've been focusing a lot recently on driver behavior and modifying behavior and trying to you know, eliminate some of these unsafe uh, driving behaviors that we do. So what has your research shown about attitudes and practices of drivers regarding distracted driving? Are we willing to change our habits? Do we recognize our own d- dangerous behaviors? Do we have a desire to correct them? I mean, I know when I'm driving, you can look around and say, oh, that person's on their phone or, oh, look at what that person's doing. But what about ourselves? Are we, you know, what is your research showing in terms of the attitudes and behaviors of drivers regarding distracted driving? So with some of the polling that we do, the national polls we do in Canada and the U.S., there's a a bit of an inconsistency because on one hand, people will tell you that they know it's unsafe or less safe. And on the other hand, they'll also tell you that they do it. And sometimes the frequency with which they do it is disturbing. Um, And there's been also uh, research recently out of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, which is also really focused on the prevalence issue. So I think the challenge is we tend to think about other drivers, and yet we don't control them. And we tend to spend less time thinking about ourselves and the little things that we may do in our car that are actually distracting, but because we rationalize and think it's only for a second um, or it's it's just this minor thing. Uh, so we tend to underestimate our role, our own role in the problem as drivers. So I think the challenge is one, getting people to focus on their own driving behavior, because at the end of the day, that's all you control. You don't control anyone else on the road. So we really need to to make people focus on their own behavior and to learn to recognize those moments of distraction. And that's where those interactive exercises are, are very relatable. And we need to remember those when we're in the car, the walking into our kitchen with purpose to get there and realize you don't have a clue what you intended to do there because you, you stopped to pick up, you know, some laundry or or put something away along the way and you get to the kitchen, you have no idea while you're there. So I think we need to keep those instances top of mind every time we go out on the road, because the concerning thing we've seen in our research, uh, looking at fatal crashes, is it's often the other road user who dies in a distracted driving collision. And none of us want that responsibility. No, not not at all. Um, and that's interesting. You're, you're talking about, you know, like, as you walk into the kitchen, you forget why you went there. That happens all the time <laughs> to a lot of us. So, um, you know, and, and we've talked a little bit too about employers and why it's so important for employers. And you mentioned the technology and ways that employers can focus on distracted driving uh, through technology means. But what are some other ways that employers can help address distracted driving with their employees? What are some tips and tricks you have, if you will? So a couple of different things. So we have a distracted driving education program called Drop It and Drive that we've used with employers. So I think one of the most important things employers can do is one, realize that um, prevention pays right? The costs of 
collisions for employers is horrendous and very far reaching. So using that as a starting point for conversation, I think the next step is thinking about what a distracted driving policy looks like. And there's lots of organizations that have templates and tools but it's not enough to just have a policy, right? You need to operationalize it. So this is really where employers have an opportunity to bring their management and their administrative staff together with their line staff to talk about the workplace and the kinds of distractions that are there, particularly uh, not just in the trucking industry, but also in uh, sales industry, right? Healthcare industry. If your employees are driving as part of their job in any way, shape or form, it's important to have a conversation with them and to integrate road safety into workplace safety. So em employees can really do a lot to help employers think about and recognize what some of those potential distractions are, as well as to provide insight into what those solutions are. So I think regular safety meetings, having a policy, but then also checking in with staff about what are the opportunities to mitigate distractions in the workplace, particularly as they relate to, to driving. And I think that's an important point too, is um, just making sure that everybody is aware of this and talking about it often, bringing it up in safety meetings, reiterating it constantly, you know, putting it out there. It's not something we just talk about in the month of April here in the US. It needs to be talked about all the time. And then that can carry over to off the job as well. That's the other point. As you mentioned, you know, the cost of crashes is really high for employers or, you know, their employees to get into collisions like this, but this carries over to off the job. You're driving to your kid's soccer game on a weekend. And, you know, if you're distracted and have a crash, what if that's your, your company vehicle? The employer is going to have a cost in that. And so it's important to put these good behaviors in place and reiterate this information so that it's front and center all the time. So that's, yeah, that's a great point there. So you, you've mentioned a couple of the resources um, that you have. Nuts, of course, on our website, we have a distracted driving module as well. Are there, there's a lot of organizations that are addressing this. So are there some other resources or associations that you can uh, mention that, that have some great resources that employers or just the general public even could tap into to focus on this? Sure. So in Canada, we formed a Canadian coalition on distracted driving. We created a 15 point action plan and we brought together more than close to 40 organizations, all different sectors who contributed to some of those outputs, which included educational materials, infographics, policies, a business case, a technology framework to help us think about technology and distractions, working with the insurance industry to recognize the risk associated with distractions. So there was a lot of good work and free work coming out of the, the coalition that's available on our website. And in the US, the National Transportation Safety Board has also formed a national distracted driving coalition. And I'm, I have the pleasure of chairing that group of close to 60 organizations representing members and stakeholders um, who have also come together with an action plan and are creating resources. So some of the most interesting ones that are available is a, a short literature review that explains naturalistic driving studies and crash risk and what we see in the real world. There's one that talks about the prevalence of the distracted driving issue and how that's measured and what are some of the opportunities for technology to address it. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety has done a great job uh, with a national poll measuring that. And I think there's some great takeaways in there for employers to understand how people think about distraction and some of the things that they do and the choices that they make and why. 
And then on April 26th in Washington, D.C., there's a technology showcase that the Distracted Driving Coalition is organizing. So it'll be looking at the different types of technologies that are available now that we can uh, start to use to mitigate some of those distractions on the road. And a lot of the member organizations, the Insurance Institute, the American Trucking Associations, the National Safety Council, all have a range of resources available as well. So I think the good news is there's lots of information there. I think the challenge is to engage people and to help them think about distraction and things that they can do and keep that top of mind every time they they get in their car. Absolutely. I think that's what it is, keeping it front and center. And so thank you, Robin, for being part of this conversation today. This is helping to keep this issue front and center, helping us to focus on it. And I appreciate your time and resources. We're going to drop your your website link in the comments, but go uh, let us know what is your website for where they can find all these resources from the Traffic Injury Research Foundation. So it's www.tirf. .ca. And for the U.S. coalition, it's usnddc.org. Perfect. We're going to drop those in the in the comments there, but I appreciate your time today. And again, lots of resources available. So no excuse for us to not focus on the drive. Thanks so much, Robin. Great talking to you, Susan. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Now, Driving Change, a network of employers for traffic safety podcast for anyone and everyone who is dedicated to advancing road safety. Be sure to subscribe and tune in each month for new episodes.